I didn't act, I didn't intentionally wear my Veterans Day jacket, but I did. <laughs> Jen was kind enough to point that out to me. <laughs> Supporting. I want to add, um, I'm an Army brat, so I know that families make sacrifices too. So I want to say to the mamas and the wives and the kids, thank you, because you had to give up a parent for some time in your life. You've had to give them up for certain times, and it's not easy. Um, and But I know coming from someone who was in it, I also say it's worth it. So thank you for that. Really, really appreciate that. So Okay, now to transition. I was up here the last time we did this. And I'm always like, and now to move to the next thing. And it always feels a little, okay, so here we go. Um, so we are starting a new series today. And it's called, are you ready? Attitude Adjustment. Who wants to leave? Go ahead, just go. <laughs> just, just being honest. So we're going to start that today. And I feel like we all know that attitude matters, right? We know that. Like, it's like, yeah, 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 okay, attitude matters. But do we know how much attitude matters? Like, do we really catch that? Or do we let it slip away? Do we let the enemy, who, he can't take us out if we've decided to follow Jesus, right? But he can come in and be like, that's annoying. That's not cool. That's not okay. And that can completely change everything for us, right? Our attitude very much matters to God. It actually determines, whether you realize it or not, at any moment, your attitude determines which direction you're going to go in any situation. The enemy doesn't come, like, with blatant, sometimes he does, but most of the time he's not coming at us with, like, big, bold-faced lies that we're like, oh, yeah, that's a lie. It's little, and it's almost like a whisper. And then those lies become our attitude. Yeah, yeah, that is, yeah, why would I do that? I don't want to be part of that. They're not cool. All the little things that we don't even realize can come at us and completely take us off course. Because our enemy knows this one thing. Attitude affects everything. It's on the screen. Attitude affects everything. So today's message, since I'm kicking off the series, I am pretty stoked about it. Uh, it kind of pumps through my veins. It's like the heartbeat, it's the why, it's the how, it's everything for who I am today. It's how I went from broken, traumatized, abused, afraid to who I am now. It can all be summed up in one word, willingness willingness. When I was confronted over 13 years ago with my own brokenness, with my own trauma, I had to decide in that moment, am I willing to take a journey? I don't know where it's going. I don't know how it's going to end. I don't know because I don't even know if I can trust Jesus. But am I willing to admit that I need some help? I've learned something that has guided every step so far since that moment. And that is this. A fragile, broken yes is still a yes. My yes 13 years ago was not big and bold like I am today. I wasn't like this 13 years ago. 
I didn't know if I wanted to rip scabs off of my wounds. I wasn't positive if Jesus could really bring healing. I wasn't brave. It was fragile. It was shaky. But nothing else had worked. So I was willing to bet on Jesus. I was willing to put all my eggs in his basket because religion had failed me. People had failed me. So I'm not going to stand here today to talk about an attitude of willingness and be like, high five, guys. It's totally great. Just be willing, and it's all going to work out great. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I'm not going to pep talk you. Because it's not easy to say yes. That's where we're going to start today. It all begins with an attitude of willingness, but it's not easy to say yes. Because we don't always know what that yes is going to mean. My yes has always been fragile at best. The people who were supposed to love me had deeply wounded me. The church had wounded me. So I didn't even know, I need you to hear this, friends. I didn't even know how to be open. I didn't even know how to walk in this like, here I am, all of me, because I had been surviving. And surviving isn't openness and willingness. It's like protection and fortresses and keeping things out. So I didn't even know how. And the truth is that this attitude of willingness that we're talking about today, it doesn't feel very wise, right? It doesn't feel wise to be like, whatever. We're like, that's, you're exposing yourself. It feels naked. If I were to ask in this room, do you want God's will for your life? I'm pretty confident that most of the room would raise their hand and say, yes, I want God's will. And I think we mean it. Like we want, yes, I want to go and do and be who God wants me to be. So then why is it so hard? Why is it that when that moment comes, we actually are more inclined to run the other way? We actually are more inclined to guard, to put up a wall, to build a fortress. I would like to present that there is one reason. It may not be the only, but this is one, and this comes from my own journey, and that is this. Pain has a voice, okay? Pain is speaking, and we've all experienced pain. If you do not, if you want to tell me you haven't experienced pain, well, you're lying. Okay, so... Fair enough. I'm wearing my vet jacket, so I might be a little intense today. Okay. Pain has a voice, and pain is telling us to protect ourselves from more pain. Okay? Pain is saying, you can't do that because that person didn't come through. You can't try that because you probably will fail, and failing will hurt. See, we've all been wounded, whether it's an old wound, a new wound, it, we've all been wounded. And even if those wounds have been healed, pain still has a voice. So we are always in a place to hear the voice of pain. And our inclination 
is to follow it because it feels less uncomfortable. But what happens is pain turns into selfishness. And the voice of pain turns into, I don't want to do that because it's not good for me. I don't want to go there because it might hurt me. I totally remember this in my own life. I remember it really well. I was willing in certain ways, but not in others. I loved God in the best that I knew how to love God. I was married to a pastor. We were fully invested in ministry. I, I wasn't walking around saying, God can't be trusted. None of us are, right? We're not walking around going, don't trust God. It's not a good idea. I was like, trust God. He's for you. It's good. He loves us. But I didn't believe it. So I was willing in certain ways, but I was not willing in other ways. And what I wonder is if we could be really transparent, which is the only way I know how to be. Is it possible that the reason we resist rather than going like this is because we don't trust God? It's that voice of pain that is like loud and overbearing and self-preservation. Is that voice telling us he's probably not trustworthy, so don't follow Authentic is a cool word today, right? Hashtag vulnerability. We see it everywhere. We talk about it. But do you know we can talk about it and not actually do it? We can talk about being vulnerable. We can talk about being open. We can talk about being authentic. But then when it comes down to it, we can still be like, but I'm not giving up this part. I'm holding this part. And we can talk about all this. It's easier, come on friends, it's easier to put on our pretty clothes, to get ourselves all polished up, and to just go do what looks good to us. And not even stop and ask, is this what God wants me to do? Is this what God's asking? Not even ask, because we're afraid of what he might say. The thing about giving God our yes is that he doesn't tell us where it's going to lead. Thank you very much. He doesn't tell us what's going to happen if we say yes. Dang it, I want to know. And so it's a nervous yes. Here's the thing we have to, we have to accept is that an attitude of willingness, it does require some faith. Now, I want to encourage you. It can be mustard seed faith. It can be the tiniest little bit of faith. I had hardly any faith when I showed up in that first counseling appointment. I'm like, I don't really know if you're any good, but I don't have anything else, so I'm going to try. And you know what Jesus did? He took that teeny little mustard seed of faith, and he watered it, and he nurtured it in his kindness and in his tenderness. And so every time my yes was a little bit stronger and a little bit stronger, And the next time, it was a little bit bolder. 
See, here's the thing. If you're a church person, so if you're new to church, then you might not have struggled with this. But for those of us who have been in the church world our whole lives, the religious mindset says, let's skip all that and get to the part where God does something great. I'm willing to do it for God. But I don't really want to talk to you about all the junk inside. Don't ask for that stuff. I'm not willing to give you that. I'm willing to do something great for you. But here's the thing, friends, that I have learned and that I know is true. Your willingness can only take you as far as you are whole. Your willingness will only take you as far as you are whole in here. What do I mean? I mean that if you're walking around carrying wounds, bitterness, anger, pain, sorrow, whatever you want to label it, and you have a distorted filter of who God is, you're never going to be completely open to him. You're never going to be able to be open and let him have your life because you can't trust him. Because you're looking at him and going, you aren't trustworthy because these things have happened. So I need you to understand this. When we talk about willingness, God's going to ask you if you're willing to be made well before he'll ever ask you to do something great for him. The first question he will ask, if you say, I'm open to your will, he'll say, okay, Let's talk about this thing that happened 10 years ago that you've avoided and not even brought up, and you won't even let me talk to you about it. Let's talk about that. No, but I'm willing to do whatever. And he will gently keep saying, let's talk about this. Let's go back here. Because he wants you well first. And the reason is because your willingness comes out of your relationship with God. Your willingness to just do whatever God asks, to to see his will happen in your life, it comes out of that relationship that you have with him, right? If I don't have a relationship with my husband, then I'm not going to be willing to get on an airplane and go on a trip with him. Like if I didn't know Alan and he's like, hey, let's go to the Bahamas together, I'd be like, no, I don't know you. You might be a murderer. My relationship with Alan makes me trust him. So much so that sometimes we'll get on a plane and go, I'm like, where are we going? (laughs) I mean, I do usually know. But sometimes I'm like, what's the name of our hotel? Because if you die, I need to make sure I can get us home. (laughs) So there's like a high level of trust there. But it comes out of relationship. And I don't, we, we have, again, the religious mindset says, I don't have to have this deep abiding relationship. I can just do great works. I'm willing to do great works. That's not what God wants. God wants your heart first. So there's a story. You guys know I love stories. There's a story in scripture, and it's about a man named Abraham. Now, some of you maybe know the story, some of you don't, and that's totally fine. It's in Genesis, so it's, a, it's like right there at the beginning, okay? And it's really important in this, in, like literally the entirety of the Bible, actually, this is an extremely critical story. Abraham was the man that God promised to make the father of a great nation. 
And, of course, we all have the benefit of the end of the story, so we know that it actually happens. And Abraham is the father. His seed is the nation of Israel. And we know that Jesus comes from the nation of Israel. So the promise was fulfilled. But listen, there was a story for Abraham to get there. There was a story of willingness. He didn't just get it. There was some sacrifice required. So I want us to turn in. It's on the screen if you want to look it up in your Bible. We're going to be in Genesis 12. And I'm just going to start with reading the first few verses. It says this. God had told Abram. So he, he gets a name change later. So if you're confused, it's not a typo. He gets a name change later. Okay. God told Abram, leave your own country behind and your people and go to the land that I will guide you to. If you do, I will cause you to become the father of a great nation. I will bless you and make your name famous, and you will be a blessing to many others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you, and the entire world will be blessed because of you. Wow, that's intense. If you do, if you do, see, God lays out something pretty extraordinary for Abraham. But there was a condition, leave your country and your people and go to the land that I will show you. I ain't going to show you right now. I'm going to show you later. I'm going to show you later. Can we put ourselves in Abraham's shoes for a minute? I think we read about our Bible heroes and we're like, Ben-Hur. Does anybody know who that is? (laughs) The best Ten Commandment movie ever. Okay. He's the best Moses ever. Sorry. I mean, other than the real Moses. Anyway. (laughs) Well, I just feel like that that is what, that's what Moses sounded like. I feel like he sounded like Charlton Heston. (laughs) Let my people go. Okay. I'm not Moses. Where was I going with that? Oh, so, sorry. I get really distracted by old classic Bible movies. I love them all. Okay. So I feel like we, we, we see these characters and we're like, they were superhuman. No. No. Abraham is not superhuman. So a little backstory. When God says this to Abraham, leave your country, Abraham's not living in a teepee out in the desert and he's like, oh, that sounds great. Let's go. No, he's a prosperous man. He is well known in his region. He has wealth. He has like a house full of servants, like he is rooted where he's at. So it's a big deal for God to say, I'd like you to give all that up and go to the land that I will show you. After you start walking, I'll show you. God has a magnificent promise for Abraham. That's kind of obvious in what we read. But the key to unlocking it is wrapped up and Abraham's willingness to follow. So this particular verse has very deep personal meaning for me. Um, When I saw that this was in the message, I was like, oh, yes, we can talk about this. So um, a lot of you know our story of coming to Utah. Uh, It was was a faith journey, for sure. Um, And we'd been at our church for 10 years in Phoenix. No plans to leave, very much like this. This is where we're going to be forever. And then, kind of like Abraham, God was like, hey, it's time to go. 
oh, and by the way, I'd like you to resign before I tell you where we're going. (laughs) And we're like, you do know that we're like close to 40. That's not what you do in your 40s. You like have it all figured out by then. He's like, yeah, we're going to leave. So it was two weeks. Like we had two Sundays left at our church. Had not visited Utah yet, so there is nothing on our radar. And a missionary visited and spoke, and he shared this story. And when that verse popped up on the screen, go to the land that I will show you, it was as if Jesus, like, got down in front of me and said, go to the land that I will show you. It was, like, seared in my spirit that day. And, of course, a a week after our last Sunday at Streams, we came and visited Utah, and then a month later, we were on our way to Utah. It was the land he was showing us, but I need to be really clear with you. It was a hard yes, because we didn't have, like, a job offer. Like, we'd been in full-time church work our whole marriage, at that time, 16 years, And in order to come here, Alan was taking on a job completely outside of the church. Rob and his awesome Rob way is like, just come. Let's go on an adventure. Love you, Rob. And again, I say, we're almost 40. We don't need adventure. So there was no clear, like, this is how it's going to go if you say yes. It was, go to the land that I will show you. And then when you get there, I'll show you something else. And then when you get there, I'll show you something else. And then we'll just keep going. So obviously we came. (laughs) Many of you know that this year we opened the Wellness Center, which is a dream that I carried since I was a teenage girl. And let me tell you, I had not the foggiest idea that God was going to do that in Utah. He didn't give me any clues before I gave him my yes to come here. There was no clue from him. If you do it, I'm going to give you a wellness center. It was just, if you'll trust me, I'm going to do more than you can imagine. See, something that I'm learning still always in my walk with Jesus is that there is always a promise from God before me. He has so many promises for me. But they are on the other side of if. God told Abraham, if you leave everything behind, I'll give you a new home and I'll make you the father of a nation. And I've learned that this isn't a one-time deal. It's not one time I say yes and then I'm good the rest of my life. No. It's all day, every day. I have seen Jesus in my journey hundreds of times I've had to say yes when he's asked. The first time he asked, someone came to me. I didn't even, I wasn't pursuing. Nothing I do today came from me pursuing it. It was all him coming to me. And he sent someone to me and said, would you be willing to share your story with a group of ladies at church? And I'm like, I don't want to do that. Because I had been all those years of hiding my story. And it's vulnerable and it's transparent. And you feel naked when you share the deepest pain that you carry. But I said yes, shaky and fragile, but I said yes. 
And then when the Lord said, how about you start writing things down? Oh, and why don't we make it a blog for like, you know, everyone in the world to see? And I'm like, that sounds like a bad idea, but okay. So I started writing. And then that turned into, hey, let's write and publish a book. Listen, friends, nothing feels more naked than writing a book and giving it to the world. Like, it's the most naked feeling in the world because you're like, here it is. Hope you like it. But he said, will you do it? And I said, yeah. And then, of course, like I've already shared, moving to Utah. So these are hard yeses, but it's a hundred yeses along the way. It's not just one time we say yes. We just keep saying yes. But what happens is we get stuck in the if. We get stuck. If I, if I take this step, he might not come through. If I take this step, I might fail. If I choose that, it might hurt. So we start to see the if place as a bad, as a sign that God's actually not with us, that he's not guiding us, that if, it was, if God loved us, there'd be no if. He would just do it all. See, Abraham was in that space where if meets a willing heart. And this is simply what he said in verse, what it says in verse 4. So Abram departed as the Lord had instructed him. Now, you read that and you're like, good job, you did it. Way to go. The story's over. (laughs) Not even close. Okay, so I'm not going to read this part of the story, but it's important. Listen, you need to read this. Like, there's a lot of drama in the Bible. A lot of soap opera. A lot of soap opera. And this is one of those moments, okay? So um, God, in this, in this journey for Abraham and Sarah, he's like, oh, by the way, I'm going to give you a son. Well, how many of you guys know that God is sometimes seems like he's slow to do things? All the time. Okay, I said it. All the time. So I think, like, Sarah is like, I ain't getting any younger. I ain't getting any younger. So she has the brilliant idea. It's bad, y'all. It's real bad. She has the brilliant idea and tells Abraham, why don't you go sleep with the maid? And then she can have a son, and then that son can be the promised heir. Listen, Abraham said yes, which is a whole nother situation. (laughs) Gentlemen, gentlemen, if your wife suggests that, the answer is no. Like I said, soap opera. So then now Abraham has this other son, Ishmael, who is not the promise because that is not what God said. And how many of you know God does what he says he will do, not what you say he will do? And we see God be kind and merciful and amazing like he always is because despite their lack of faith in this moment, despite all that, God still comes through. And at the ripe old age of 100, Sarah gives birth to Isaac. So like I said earlier, we're not dealing with superhumans. We're dealing with plain old people here, just like you and me. We say yes, and then we fall. We say yes, and then we forget to trust. We say yes, and then we go, never mind, I'm going to do it myself. And God is patient, patient, patient with us. Okay, so we've had all that happen. Well, now we're going to fast forward to Genesis 22. It's going to get a little intense. <coughs> Buckle your seatbelt. Abraham, God called. 
Yes, Lord, he replied. Take with you your only son. Yes, Isaac, whom you love so much. And go to the land of Moriah and sacrifice him there as a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I'll point out to you. The next morning, Abraham got up early, chopped wood for a fire upon the altar, saddled his donkey, and took with him his son Isaac and two young men who were his servants, and started off to the place where God had told him to go. On the third day, this is a long journey, y'all. On the third day of the journey, Abraham saw the place in the distance. Stay here with the donkey, Abraham told the young men, and the lad and I will travel yonder and worship and then come right back. Abraham placed the wood for the burnt offering upon Isaac's shoulders while he himself carried the knife and the flint for striking a fire. So the two of them went on together. Okay, so let's just state the obvious and uncomfortable. It seems right now like God's a little bit mean. Seems like he's not very kind. What kind of loving God would be like, I would like you to give up your son? Doesn't make sense, right? Well, so here's what we're going to do. You guys didn't know, but you're going to get a Bible degree today, and you're going to leave, and you can hang it on your wall, and it didn't cost you anything, okay? So put on your scholar hat. You ready? Okay. The entire Old Testament points to Jesus, every single thing. Everything you read is pointing to Jesus. Everything is God saying, I have a plan, I have a plan, I have a plan, just wait, it's coming. Everything, okay? God does it through symbolism. He does it through prophetic word. He does it through pictures. He uses every means capable of communicating to humans. I have a plan. So here's what you need to understand about this story. God never intended for Abraham to kill Isaac. Never. He is painting a picture through this story of what is going to happen with his own son. Abraham is the father who leads Isaac, his son, to the sacrifice altar, just like God leads Jesus. Isaac carries the wood, his own wood, for his own sacrifice, just like Jesus carries his cross. So the point of this story is for us today to go, whoa, whoa. That was at the very beginning And even there, you were telling us what you were going to do, that you were going to lead your own son to the altar to be sacrificed. See, this is why this is exciting. Because this story is a prophetic picture. If you don't know what prophetic means, it just means seeing things the way God sees them. This is a picture of Jesus. And both stories are about one thing, willingness. Abraham is willing to do whatever God asks to see his will accomplished in the earth. And through this obedience of him saying, we're going to just go forward because this is what God said, we get to see the picture God wants to show us of what his own son is going to do and the willingness of Jesus to lay down his life. There's something powerful that Abraham says in the next two verses. He said, it starts with Isaac saying, Father, We have the wood and we have the flint to make the fire, but where's the lamb for the sacrifice? God will see to it, my son. Abraham replied, and they went on. Did you catch that? Abraham never thought that God wanted him to take his own son's life. He knew the character of God 
So much so that he said, I don't understand. I don't know why this is what's asking, but I know that when we get there, he's gonna, he's gonna have, he's gonna provide. Some translations even say he will provide the lamb because he trusted in the character of God and he was willing to follow that character wherever it led. And this is what verse 12 says. The angel says, lay down the knife. Don't hurt the lad in any way. For I know that God is first in your life. You haven't even withheld your beloved son from me. This is the story about the willingness of a father to give up what is most precious to him. To see God's will done. And it foreshadows what Jesus says in John 6, 38. For I have come from heaven to do the will of God who sent me not to have my own way. I promised Jen and I did not chat about this message. And she shared exactly that just a bit ago. He did it by choice. Jesus is the embodiment of willingness, friends. And you need to understand that there was an if for Jesus. You need to understand that the same if you're today wrestling with, whatever your if is, Jesus wrestled an if. Because he, he was told by his father, if you lay down your life, through your life I will save nations. But you have to choose it. I can't make you. You get to choose And so we see a Jesus in the garden literally sweating blood. So I don't think anyone in here has ever been in that boat. Literally sweating blood because his heart says, I want to follow my father. But his flesh says, this is not going to be fun. This is going to hurt. I'm scared. I don't want to do it. And he says, if there's any other way, if there's any other way, but... Not my will, yours. Accomplishing God's will begins with a willing attitude. And it seems so simple, friends, but it is the very thing that sent Jesus to the cross. Willingly going. No one took his life. No one took his life. He willingly laid it down. And here's what I love about Jesus and following him. He never asks me to do something that he didn't already do. Jesus never asks me to do something that he hasn't already done. He's not a lofty king commanding subjects and servants. He was willing to come. He was willing to live among us. He was willing to die so that I could live. So maybe you hear that and you're like, whoa, Shannon. So if I say that I'm willing to follow Jesus, does that mean I'm going to have to die? Yes. Yes. This, every day, all the time, I have to die to it. Because the flesh inside of me doesn't want what's right. The flesh inside of me isn't willing to follow God. The flesh inside of me wants my way, wants what feels safe to me, wants what looks good in my eyes. And so if I'm going to choose to willingly go wherever Jesus sends me, then yes, I have to be willing to die every single day. I really don't see myself as a woman of greatness, friends. I don't think there's something special about me that makes me who I am today. 
years back when this journey was unfolding for me and I was like, oh, I kind of see maybe where we're headed. Didn't see that coming, but I see maybe where we're headed. And I remember I was in the car one day, sitting in the car, and I said to the Lord, I said to Jesus, Jesus, if you open the doors, I will say yes. So I kind of flipped it. I did my own if. You can do that. You can make deals with Jesus. I think he's fine with that. I said, if you open doors, I will say yes. And as I've shared with you, it has not always been yes. Sometimes it's filled with tears. Friends, I have had to give up things I loved to follow that yes. I've had to make sacrifices that you'll never know about, and that's fine. No one else needs to know about our sacrifices because he knows. I've had to do that in order to follow and go where he's leading and see his will accomplished. See, when we say yes to Jesus, the thing that we have to get our heart wrapped around is that we now live for a different kingdom. We're playing a different game. And nothing about God's kingdom makes sense to the world. There's not a yes you give for him that makes sense down here. It's not logical. It doesn't follow a map. There's no blueprint. And if we're going to have a life of openness and willingness to go wherever God wants to see his kingdom come, then we have to be willing to die to ourselves because the kingdom we live for is not of this world. Jason, could you come up? Here's what I know today. I know I could ask for all of you to share your stories, and I know that they'd be very different. All across the room, there's all kinds of different stories. And I'm just going to call out a few. Some of you, God has promised healing if you will forgive. Some of you, God has promised to make your wildest dreams come true if you will give up what you think is the right path. Some of you, God has said, if you will give me your finances, I will do more with them than you could ever imagine. Some of you are teenagers, and God's saying, if you give up that group of friends who are pulling you away from me, I will provide you with friends, and you can be in community together with people who are like-minded and whose heart is to follow after me. Some of you are in college, and you thought you were supposed to pursue this path, but you hear God whispering, if you'll do this, I have so much for you. If you'll give me your wounds, I'll heal them. Lots of stories in here. I probably didn't cover them all, and that's fine. But what I want us to do is to take a minute and ask ourselves, what's my if? Because I know the promise. I know as you're sitting here, I know how the Holy Spirit works. It's already stirring. There's already something inside of you that's like, I know what it is that he's asking. And let's be blunt. Sometimes it's if you'll give up sin, I will redeem you. So if you don't even know Jesus today as your savior and friend, that's step one. There's a promise of eternal life if you will surrender. So I'm asking you to close your eyes because I think this is a private moment.
I always wait and ask the Lord, how do you want to end the service? And today he said in worship, let's turn the room into an altar rather than having you come forward. He wants this whole room to be an altar because he's in the room. He's in the room. It's true that what he's asking of you right now, whatever it is, it doesn't make sense. You don't have a blueprint. You can't plot it out on a map. You can't say, if I say yes, these are all the things that are going to happen. And I know what you can do is say, if I say yes, I will trust that you are good. If I say yes, I will trust in the character of who you are. And I will let the process happen. And I will keep saying yes. And it's okay if my yes is a little shaky and fragile and tear-filled. Because you don't need me to be big and brave and bold. You just need me to be willing. You just need me to be willing. Friend, your weakness is your weapon. Your weakness is the only place that he can work. He doesn't need your strength. He doesn't need for you to know how to make it all happen. He just needs you to say yes. He just needs you to say yes. stories that God made sure got recorded in scripture are not stories of big, mighty, strong people who did his will. They're stories of broken, scared, normal people who just said yes. It is true that God is waiting. He's wanting to do something impossible through you, but first he wants to do something impossible in you. Will you willingly give your life away? Because he gave you his. He gave you his, and so he's asking for something he's already given you in return. So I just want you to take a minute with your eyes closed, and I want you to ask privately, ask, what is it, Lord, that you want from me? What's the promise you have for me? What is it you want me to say yes to today, right now? are healing and tears are necessary and so sometimes the yes has to come with tears and that's okay if there's tears there's such a tenderness I want you to keep your eyes closed I can sense that this is not a moment of fire and it's a a moment of tender quiet love And Jesus is walking in the room, and he's touching everyone in the room, and he's wanting everyone in this room to know, I see you, I know you're struggling, I know you're afraid, but if you'll just give me that mustard seed of trust, I can do something with that. Father, we come and we have nothing to give you except a yes. That's really all we have. There's nothing you need from us. What could you possibly need from us? But we are willing to give you our yes. We don't know where it's going to lead. We know it's probably going to be scary. It's not going to make sense. We're going to have to trust you every single day, and we're probably going to mess up. But we're going to trust 
in your goodness. We're going to trust in your mercy. We're going to trust in your kindness. And we're going to keep saying yes. Day by day. And we're going to let you strip off all the fear. All the fear. We're going to just let you strip it off as we say yes day by day. Because you do have good, beautiful things for each of us. Make us well. Make us whole. So that we can do those things through a place of overflow. That we know who you are. That we're willing because we know you in the deepest place in our soul. Holy Spirit, would you do what only you can do? Would you bring healing in the way that only you can bring healing? And meet every need, every person today at their place of need. You are worthy of our yes. You gave us yours, and so we want to give you ours, Jesus. Every um, eye closed because I feel like the Lord would say, ask this question. If you don't follow Jesus at all, if this is your first kind of encounter with him and you want to commit your life to him, um, we're not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to ask you to run down front, none of that. I'm just going to ask you to slip your hand up. If you're in the room and you say, I don't really know him. I know of him, but I don't really know him. then I think maybe if there's anyone in the room, thank you, I see that. If there's anyone in the room that says, I, I need, I know him and, and I follow him, but I can sense that I need a recommitment. Can you just lift your hand? Thank you, thank you. Thank you, friends. For the ones who raised their hand and said, I don't even know Jesus, oh, friend, am I excited. You have no idea what you just stepped into. It's going to be the most amazing ride of your life. And I'm going to pray over you. And there is no special prayer. There's no perfect prayer. It's literally a decision that you're making in your heart. You're saying, I'm ready to give it all up. And so I'm going to pray over you. And as I'm praying over you, I want you to just in your own spirit say the same prayer. Father, thank you for the people in the room who have recognized their need for you. They've looked at the cross and they've said, I can't do it by myself. I'm willing to give you my life. We ask for a cleansing of sin, a complete forgiveness of everything that has led up to this day, this moment. And would you come and would you be the friend that they need, the father that they need? Would you begin guiding them on a whole new path? And would they help them to continually give their yes? And those in the room, Lord, who raised their hand and said, I need to recommit. Jesus, would you fill them with fire today to say yes, whatever it is, whatever sacrifice is required, I know you're worth it, so I will say yes. Give them the courage to do that today, Jesus. I know, I know how hard it is, but I know, I know how trustworthy you are, Lord. And so take these hearts, take all these fragile yeses, all these broken yeses, and turn them into something beyond our wildest dreams. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Thank you guys for coming today. If you need prayer, I will hang out up here. Alan and I will be up here. I'm always happy to pray with anyone. Um, but have a blessed day. Have a blessed week. And we'll see you guys next week.